It's hard to think back about the life that you were living 18 months ago, before COVID, before the pandemic, isn't it? I mean, it's hard to think about what you were doing on a normal, precedented Tuesday. Life certainly got messed up really quickly there. Uh, We had to find new routines in a world with safer at home orders and new quarantine rules. And now that vaccinations are widely available to all, we're supposed to find yet another routine. There was our routine before the pandemic, then our routine, routine during the pandemic, and now a post pandemic routine. And that's a lot of change for some people. Over the last year, it was nearly impossible for any of us to look ahead and to be proactive. Even the best, most pioneering leaders that I know had to take life one day at a time. We couldn't really make plans too far in advance because we didn't know what local health orders would be or what CDC recommendations would be out there any given week. But now life is starting to get back to normal, in some degree anyway, and we're able to look up and look around. And I think a lot of us are wondering at this point, where am I? Where are you? Where am I? Not so much physically. I mean, you physically know where you're at right now, but I'm talking about the other areas of your life, the other aspects of your life that have been distorted over the past year. What's going on with your job, your career? How is your relationship with your spouse or your kids? What is the current state of your mental health? And did your faith slide? Are you in a spiritually dark place now? When you compare your life now, today, and life before the pandemic, before COVID-19, are you better off in those areas or not? And I'm afraid that for most of us, the reality is, is that we are not better off today than we were a year and a half ago. And it would really, it would be quite simple and easy to blame that the problems that we are experiencing today, the pain and suffering that we have today uh, on the virus. It would be easy and simple, but I don't know if it would be right. Because in a lot of ways, COVID didn't cause the problems that we have. We had those problems before the pandemic. But what COVID did, what the pandemic did was accelerate those problems that we had, those problems that were little and small and just becoming a problem were accelerated by the pandemic. Those problems that you were working on at your own pace began to outrun you. If things were bad in your career, your relationships with your mental health, with your spirituality before COVID-19, then they're worse now after COVID-19, more likely than not. And I think that this is especially true uh, or maybe even most obvious when it comes to issues of faith and spirituality. The Unstuck group found that the physical church attendance right now is currently down 28% from last year. And last year was already down from the year before. If you remember last year, we're in the middle of the pandemic. I mean, just really getting started. And so we're down from last year, which was already down from the year before. And Barna speculates based on their research that by the end of this year, one out of five people will have completely walked away or lost their faith 
all together. And at Madison Church, we've certainly not been exempt from that. A week before the pandemic hit, we had two in-person locations and we had our online location, a total of three different types of gatherings um, throughout the week. And as I look around on Sunday nights, uh, I see many friends missing. But as I said, COVID didn't cause the drift that I'm seeing today. It's not causing the drift in our spiritual lives that we're experiencing today. These things were happening before the pandemic, and the pandemic sped them up. It was happening before. And whether or not it was intentional, it was happening. And whether or not, if we're not intentional right now, if we are not intentional, it could happen to us. Our faith could drift as well. None of us are exempt from that. And maybe you're wondering today, what if I'm losing my faith? Let's talk about that. Well, welcome to Madison Church. My name is Stephen. I'm the lead pastor of Madison Church, and I'm so glad that you're joining us, whether you're watching on YouTube or listening on our podcast, joining us on Sunday mornings for our online um, gathering. We're just so glad that you're here. We're in a series called Finding My Faith, and we're looking through the first four chapters of the New Testament book to the Hebrews. Today, we're beginning the second chapter. So if you want to follow along using a Bible app, I'll read the verses out loud as well, but you're more than welcome and invited to join us and follow along. We're going to Hebrews chapter 2. And today we're going to explore a passage which will provide us some answers to the questions that we're having. What if I'm losing my faith? What if my faith is on the decline? So we're going to talk about that today in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1, we read, so we must listen very carefully to the truth we have heard, or we may drift away from it. For the message God delivered through angels has always stood firm and every violation of the law and every act of disobedience was punished. So what makes us think we can escape if we ignore this great salvation that was first announced by the Lord Jesus himself and then delivered to us by those who heard him speak. And God confirmed the message by giving signs and wonders and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit whenever he chose. So the author is going from the first chapter of Hebrews, um, talking about does God speak to us today and who is Jesus? And now he's, he's going to get really practical and applicable as he begins to address you and I, the audience. They write, so we must be very careful to listen to the truth that we have heard, or we may drift away from it. It would be uh, easy or um, common for us to think that he's talking to someone else, somewhere else, but really by wrapping himself in this, the author is saying that we could drift away from it. He's talking not to people out there, but people in here. He's talking to you and me and uh, followers of Jesus for the last 2,000 years. We may drift away. Drifting can happen to any of us, and at different times, it happens to all of us. And drifting is this really potent image. You can imagine a boat or an airplane beginning to drift on their journey and and not get to where they intended to go. We can imagine uh, a snowstorm in the winter here in Wisconsin, and you're in your car, and your car drifts off the road. certainly didn't intend for it to happen. You didn't want it to happen, but it took you off the path. And drifting has this kind of It's small, it's unintentional, it really seems insignificant when it happens. Drift, it's just slow and insignificant, but the results 
are hazardous and the results can lead to big and lasting damage. We don't know specifically because the author doesn't tell us. We don't know the different ways that people that they were writing to were drifting. They don't talk about that. They don't give examples. But we know that the author is worried that they are drifting. And in terms of a commitment, it's implied that they're wavering. They're wavering in their faith. And we waver in our faith too. We waver in our commitments. We forget what we've heard. We forget what we know. We forget what we believe and we forget what we're supposed to practice. That's just what we do. But the advice here and how not to drift away from our faith, the how to not lose the faith that we have is quite simple. Listen carefully to the truth we have heard. The help with drifting, what's going to keep us from drifting isn't necessarily new information, but the author of Hebrews says it's old information. It's not about absorbing something that we have never heard before, but rather it's about being reminded of something we've already known. We need to be careful. We need to listen to the truth that we have already heard so that we will not drift away. But hypothetically speaking, What if we don't? The author continues. The message God delivered through the angels has always stood firm and every violation of the law and every act of disobedience was punished. So what makes us think that we can escape if we ignore this great salvation? A couple things going on here. And first, that message that was delivered by the angels long ago and they're talking about the 10 commandments that were given to Moses on Mount Sinai. And so um, Moses gets these 10 commandments. He goes down and he gives them to the people of Israel and says, these are the kind of the rules, the 10 commandments that we're supposed to live by. And the author of Hebrews says that, you know, when those were disobeyed, when those weren't followed, there were punishments, there were consequences, whether natural or unnatural, but there were consequences to those but now he's escalating it. He's saying, you know, we're not under this law of the Ten Commandments. We're, we're not under this Levitical law anymore, but there's this greater law. And it's the salvation that Jesus has offered. And if we reject this salvation offer from Jesus, there will be a punishment of sorts. There will be a natural consequence of separation from God. And I know we don't like to talk about this. We don't like to talk about hell. We don't like to talk about sin. We don't like to talk about coming up short. And I get it. But when we're looking at drifting, the author of Hebrews wants us to know that drifting isn't just missing some church services, that drifting isn't just forgetting to read your Bible, that drifting isn't just not praying, that drifting isn't this or that or these little minor things, but rather they start off as minor as drifting does. And they end with very large consequences. And the consequences that the author is talking about is eternal separation from God. From God. The author of Hebrews Hebrews believes that there's this correlation between us not doing what God wants and an unwillingness to listen to him. So God is speaking to us. And what the author of Hebrews is saying is that when we begin to drift, it's because we're not listening. It's because we are ignoring God, that the words are out there, that we know what it is, but we are choosing for whatever reason to not pay attention. And perhaps it's because we are just apathetic. Every day we go through life and life is hard. I get that. Every day can be a battle for some people, but we can't lose sight of eternity. 
And we can't lose sight that the decisions that we make today have eternal ramifications, that what we do or don't do today has eternal implications. And the author of Hebrews wants us to know that drifting isn't just a little something that's going to happen today, but drifting is something that over the course of our lives as we drift and we drift and we drift and we drift can become fatal. And it can have a permanent eternal consequence. We absolutely should not be apathetic because the choices we make could not just impact our eternal state, but the eternal state of those around us. God has put us in a certain time and in a certain place around certain people so we can be a bright light to the world. And if we're apathetic and if we're drifting, it might not just be our futures that are in danger. But the author of Hebrews isn't just threatening us. He's not just saying, well, if you know, if you drift, there's going to be this bad stuff. The author of Hebrews wants you to know that if you don't drift, there's some really good stuff too. He goes on in verse three, this great salvation that was first announced by the Lord Jesus himself and then delivered to us by those who heard him speak. And God confirmed the message by giving signs and wonders and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit wherever he chose. There is good news. There's miracles and there are signs and there are wonders and that there are gifts that God isn't just speaking to us today, but that God is still moving and working and doing new things in and around us. Now, the author of Hebrews says none of them had heard directly from Jesus. He says that. He says that they heard from people who followed Jesus. So they received this message secondhand. And we can relate to that because you and I, we didn't hear directly from Jesus, the person in the first century um, living in the Greco-Roman world, but rather we have heard the message that has been passed on since for thousands of years and generation after generation from Jesus for those first followers to the people in Hebrews and beyond to where we are today. And the emphasis isn't where you've heard this or who told you this message, but the emphasis is that This message comes from Christ himself, that no matter where you heard it for the first time, no matter who spoke it, it is coming through Christ himself and that it has real life implications, which are that through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, that there's new, better, and fuller life. Now, when he's talking about wonders and signs, wonders indicate something that unnatural had happened. Something unnatural had happened in the world and in biblical times they called these wonders. But it wasn't just that something unnatural happened, like the Red Sea parts or that um, donkeys talk or that uh, men walk on water. Those are unnatural things, but they weren't just unnatural things. They were signs. And signs were how people of faith were to interpret the unnatural things, the wonders that were happening. So when we read about signs and wonders in the New Testament, they always go hand in hand. It's something unnatural that happened that points us to God. But then something happens after Acts 2. Before that, there were signs and wonders. But after Acts 2, once the Holy Spirit comes, we begin to see that miracles and gifts are starting to be bestowed on people We see in Acts 2 that there are a bunch of people praying in the upper room and something unnatural happens. A wonder happens. It seems that fire falls from the sky. 
And then there were signs that this was coming from God, but how did we know? And the miracles and the gifts were that there was a group of people now speaking in languages that they couldn't speak. And they were proclaiming the message of the gospel to people who spoke in other languages who had never heard this message before. And those were the miracles and gifts and they provided supporting material. You see, when we don't drift, when we try not to drift and and we try to stay on track with God, We get to experience wonders, unnatural things that happen, not just for them in and of themselves, but also because they are signs and they point to God who is still working. And we get to be the recipients of miracles and gifts. We've seen that already, even in the past few weeks, where something is going on in somebody's life or somebody's family's life, and it's a little bit of a medical emergency, and we get together as a church and we pray. And we see good things happen as a result of our prayers. Now, I mentioned uh, early on that uh, on Sunday nights, I look around and I see many friends missing, but I also see old friends. And I also see new friends as well. And while it's been a painful season for a lot of different reasons, for many of us, it's also a season of a lot of hope. Next week, for example, on Sunday, June 6th, we're going to be baptizing more people on a single day than we've ever baptized before. This is coming off that rough and tough year of the pandemic. There's significant hope in that. Yes, there is pain at what has been lost over the past year or so, but there's still hope. I love how Pastor Kerry Newhoff describes it. He observes pain and hope are strange companions, but they are great companions. It's quite all right to grieve your losses over the past 12, 15, 18 months, whatever they may be. It's okay to grieve those, whether it was a loss of income, a loss of a job, loss of a family member, something very um, serious like that, your health. But while we grieve, Let us not lose hope. Let's lift our heads up after keeping them down for so long, most of the past year. And let's begin to dream and let's continue to dream of what God might do next in our lives. And as we look up for the first time and perhaps a really long time, let's assess where we are at with our faith and spiritually. There are two things that we can do to assess where we're at, to keep us from drifting. The first thing is that we can accept responsibility. We need to accept responsibility not only for ourselves, but for our spiritual health and well-being. Our spiritual health, yours and mine, they're our responsibility. Other people can't grow spiritually for us. Other people can't learn for us. Other people can't put in the work for us. We all have to take responsibility. And if I'm drifting, it's because of choices that I'm making. And I need to take responsibility for that. And if you're drifting, the same can be said. But it's not just accepting responsibility. I hope you'll do that. But the other thing is, is that we need to recommit. We need to recommit ourselves. Commitment is seen in action. Yes, we can accept responsibility that's mostly cognitive, but there's a behavioral aspect to it as well when we recommit. And commitment to our faith is seen in how we plan our schedules, how we use our influence, and how we spend our money. That's just a few examples of behaviors that we can do to 
recommit ourselves to God. If I spend more money, for example, at Starbucks uh, than I do on the mission of my local church, I'm going to be more passionate about lattes than souls. That's just a fact. And if you only show up to gatherings or courses when there's nothing else going on in your life, then of course you're not ever going to look forward to gatherings or courses because it's what you do when there's nothing else to do. If you and I spend hours talking about politics or the Packers, but we never talk about our faith, then the perception of those around us will be that we care more, more about the Packers or politics than our faith. And would they be wrong in thinking that if we talk about those things more? We do need to take responsibility, but we also need to recommit today. You can give something. You can make being here more of a priority than it has been. You can share something with your neighbors, with your coworkers. You can share something on Facebook or Instagram. But to use your influence to be a bright light, these things, by recommitting yourself and taking responsibility, will stop the drift going on in your life. I want to end on this. I'm wondering if anyone has heard of the 1 in 60 rule. The 1 in 60 rule states that for every one degree that a plane veers off its course, it's going to miss its destination by one mile for every 60 miles it flights. Okay, so for every one degree off, every uh, 60 miles it flies, it's going to be one degree off. So if you were flying from Madison to Los Angeles and we were just one degree off, we would miss LA by 30 miles. Now, in terms of flying, that doesn't sound too bad, 30 miles. If we were walking 100 yards, we'd be only five feet off if we were one degree off. But if we kept walking another mile and we were just one degree off, we would miss our destination by 100 feet. Now the error is becoming noticeable, right? The warning here in the 1 in 60 rule is that this small margin of error, one degree, becomes more serious the longer that you travel. And if gone uncorrected, it can even be fatal. In 1979, a passenger jet carrying about 250 people left from New Zealand to take a sightseeing trip around Antarctica. Unknown to the pilots, there was a very minor two-degree error in their flight coordinates. Now, this was in 1979, so way before a lot of the technology that we have in our airplanes now. But this two-degree error from New Zealand to Antarctica placed the plane 28 miles away from where they thought they were. And as they approached Antarctica, they began to descend to the lower altitude to give passengers a better look at the landscape. And although both pilots were um, incredibly experienced, they had never made this particular flight before, and they had no way of knowing that the incorrect coordinates that they had, being off just two degrees, was taking them right to the site of an active volcano that rises um, from the landscape to more than 12,000 feet. Now, sadly, the plane crashed into the side of this volcano and it killed everybody on board. It was a tragedy in which 250 people lost their lives because of a minor error, only two degrees. This can easily be applied to our own lives. We 
commonly get one or two or three or four degrees off. And, you know, short term, today, this week, this month, maybe even this year, we won't notice. But with time, the longer we drift, the worse it gets to the point it could be potentially fatal to our souls. The fix isn't to just course correct by one or two degrees. You might think if you were one or two degrees off, then the fix is to correct yourself one or two degrees. But by then, damage has already been done. And depending how long you were off by one or two degrees, your actual correction needs to be three or four or five degrees, depending on how sharp of a turn that you need to make and how much time that you have left. So all of us have a choice that we can make today. We can continue to drift a little bit and we can just ignore it and maybe we'll be fine or maybe we'll hit the side of a volcano. Now we can wait and drift a little bit longer, but understand then that you're going to have to make a more drastic change, a more drastic turn later on or you can choose today to take responsibility and to recommit and to make a turn right now. This season of change in our routine has been more of a relief to me than I expected that it would. I guess I just began to believe that we were never going to go back to normal. But now that there is some semblance of normal, I find myself so relieved. And I'm so grateful for this return to something that looks like normal. But as I look around, I see different areas of my life that I've drifted in the last year. And I need to make a choice as well to recommit, to step up and to take responsibility for the areas of my life that aren't doing as well as I'd want them to do. And I want to do that today. So that way the damage is minimized in as much as possible. Now, as followers of Jesus, if you are a follower of Jesus, we have made a commitment to him and we are responsible for that. And if we've drifted, that's on us. We take responsibility for that. But the good news is, it's like getting back on track that's not something that you have to do on your own. Because of God's grace, he can help us get back on track. It's not completely up to you to do that alone. Yes, you may have gotten yourself here. I got myself to this point, but God will help us get back to where he wants us to go and who he wants us to be. The question is, what will you choose? Will you choose to continue to drift? We can choose to continue to drift a little bit longer or will you say, today is the last day I'm going to drift.